Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked on Bama. Today, we're going to have a special guest, Drew Darman, who is uh, Alabama All Everything, got his own show up in Huntsville. He's going to be on with us today to talk about the basketball team, talk some football, maybe squeak in some baseball, but frankly, there had not been a lot of good to talk about, so trying to keep positive vibes only here on Locked on Bama, and that's what we're going to do when we get started right now with Locked on Bama. Locked on Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, and Jimmy Stein, that's normally him. But today, I'm going to welcome in Mr. Drew DeArmond, a buddy of mine who knows everything about Alabama. He follows them all over the place. And he's got his own show up in Huntsville called Talking Ball. Uh, how's it going today, Drew? Good, Luke. Always good to be with you, man. Thanks for the opportunity. Sure. Let's go ahead and get started. Um, first of all, I want to tell everybody about Stat Hero. Be sure to go check out Stat Hero. I will tell everybody about them in just a little bit. But let's go ahead and just get this out of the way. Basketball think that that's a um, if if we had Drew Notre Dame. And I know March is wild. I don't think we make it past Texas Tech. Um, it is what it is. I hate that we didn't get to 20 wins. I think that's always a nice benchmark. Um, there's a lot to be disappointed about. But in the end, there's also a lot to still be positive about. Where does this season leave you right now, Drew? Well, I mean, I guess unfulfilled is the best way to put it. Uh, disappointed. Uh, you know, I think overall – uh, when I when I think about this Alabama basketball season, um, I do think it's a positive step to get to two straight NCAA tournaments. It hasn't been done since 05, 06 in about 16 years. Uh, so that's definitely, you know, something to look forward to and the, to, to, uh, to uh, you know, laud. Because, again, it's not easy to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, when you think about, uh, the you know, Alabama basketball since the Wimp-Sanderson era ended, uh, Alabama has not consistently made the tournament. Uh, they did a couple times under David Hobbs before he was uh, dismissed. And then uh, when Mark Godfrey came in, it took him until uh, really year three to get into the tournament. Uh, and really year four, I should say, if I remember correctly, because had a losing uh, record his second year after a winning season and NIT bid in year one. Then got another NIT bid because the schedule was a little weak and they went to the finals of the NIT before losing to Buzz Peterson in Tulsa. So he, in year four, he made it and then he made five straight. And so, but I will say he only got out of the, uh, to, the uh, to the second weekend one time. And then that was an elite eight run, which was unexpected in 2004. But I, I will say I, I, when you think about Godfrey's run, I think it was good, not great. But again, you cut, that up puts everything in perspective because once he left the program and you got Anthony Grant in there, you only had one bid in 2012. And then we know Avery Johnson uh, had the one bid with Colin Sexton in his third year, and the Alabama won a game and then bowed out to the national champions. So it, it, there hasn't been consistency in the program, and I think you're starting to see some of that under Nate Oates. Uh, certainly, I think it was the most difficult schedule in Alabama basketball history. And winning, so winning 19 games is significant. But the reason I say unfulfilled is because this team could never put it together for long stretches of time. And 
Uh, the December stretch where they beat, you know, Gonzaga, who's the number one seed in the tournament. They beat a Houston team that right now is trying to uh, get to the Sweet 16 and finish off Illinois. And then also beat a Baylor team that did go home yesterday. Uh, you know, they, that was that was there were some time moments, but then there was just the head scratchers, the Georgia loss, which was teams in SEC history, their only win of the year in the league, uh, and then losing at Missouri. And then really, uh, I thought the Vanderbilt game, even though Vanderbilt's improved, there's question about it. But the way they played in the second half was frustrating in Tampa and the SEC tournament, and really was a microcosm of what happened against Notre Dame because Alabama played, uh, you know, I thought decent basketball in half number one. But really when we saw the way this team finished the last four games, losing, you know, all of them, the second halves were just mind-boggling. They just did not play very well. And, you know, I think – I will say this. I think Nate Oates tried everything. I know people want to say, well, he didn't, you know, switch up defenses and things of that nature. All I'm going to tell Alabama fans is this. If you watch the ball enough, and you know about, and you know the game. <laughs> There's no way this team could have played zone. Okay, I mean they are not a very good defensive team. Whether you played one three one, one two two, anything, I just don't think this team was bought in on the defensive end. It really didn't have too many deficiencies defensively to be good. And so I agree with you, Luke. I had Alabama beating Notre Dame uh, in a good game. I thought here's what I thought. I thought going into the matchup that Alabama could spread Notre Dame out and use their athleticism to the rim, make enough threes to win the game. I thought Alabama was the more athletic. But I will say this, and it's not making excuses, but any team that loses your best player in the first three games to an ACL injury is probably going to have a tough night. Now, you might have a team with the depth of a Duke or a Gonzaga, somebody that can withstand that, but this particular Alabama basketball team, which by the way, if you've noticed my Twitter account, I've been in constant debate for the last 48 hours or whatever. This Alabama team just was not good. They were never a Final Four team. Uh, you know, people out there passing that off and saying, well, NATOs didn't do a very good job. They're, they were a Final Four group. They weren't a Final Four group. They never were. They were a, they had the capability of being a really good team when they played well. But that wasn't consistent. And so what they were is what you just mentioned. I think they were an NCAA tournament team. And they were capable. I thought the ceiling was sweet 16 the entire time if they got the right draw. But quite frankly, when I saw the brackets come out, I figured, okay, they can win one game. But when you look at the Texas Tech Red Raiders and Mark, uh, you know, and, 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 the, and, and, and Mark Adams, their first-year coach, they remind me a lot of Alabama under Wimp Sanderson. Very tough defensively. They grind you. They're very athletic. And I just felt like that was a bad matchup for Alabama. I don't – I look at Texas Tech. I think they're going to go on a run. I, I think they match up really well with Duke, too, with the way they play. And I just think that that Texas Tech team wouldn't surprise me if they go to the Elite Eight and have a shot to go to the Final Four. And I just felt like Alabama, their ceiling was going to be getting to the round of 32 this year once I saw the draw. and so. It's disappointing, but again, I don't think you can, uh, you know, minimize going to the NCAA tournament. I, I, I that kind of irks me when people say, "Well, this team was a failure." I don't think they were a failure. I just think they were. It was a disappointing end, and it kind of reminds me. And I think you'll remember this. I was only eight years old, but I hear the stories a lot, and I'm a, I'm a guy that tries to absorb a lot of knowledge. It reminds me of the 1983 year 
uh, that Wimp Sanderson had. And I think it was when, you know, Enos Watley and Bobby Lee Hurt and those guys were freshmen. They were supremely talented. They were good enough to win the SEC tournament. And yet they go to the NCAAs and they lose by 30 to Lamar in the first round after winning at Pauley Pavilion in UCLA earlier in the year. I just think this was a team that could never quite put it all together. And that's why we're frustrating to watch. I still think it was a positive step to go to two straight NCAA tournaments. It's just, I think when Alabama beat Gonzaga in the battle in Seattle, and then they beat Houston, the expectations went through the roof. This was something that everybody was thinking, you know, Final Four or Elite Eight, they're going to go even further than last year. But you had to look at it. I mean, when you lose Herb Jones, who's, I think, the NBA Rookie of the Year, you lose John Petty, you lose Josh Primo. And Primo's loss is not talked about nearly enough. They didn't have the length on the perimeter and the defensive ability that this team did uh, to to overcome turnover issues. And then if you don't shoot the ball well. So I just think this was a flawed team. Nate Oates got as much out of as he could. And now he needs to, which is what they're doing, get this new recruiting class in, go into the transfer portal and retool. And I think they can bounce back. But certainly, I think it's a disappointing end to the year. But I still think the future is bright for Alabama basketball. I do, too. I expect there'll be a lot of turnover on the roster. Just really quickly, uh, tell me, what are you hearing about guys like Shackelford, uh, J.D. Davison? Quinterly's gone, it sounds like, and that's expected. Uh, any chance Keon Ellis were to come back? Anything like that? Well, you know, if for, during the year, that's the interesting part. I tried to follow the, the process a little bit better and or just to see where guys were going to go. And quite frankly, um, you know, what happened was, I think that Keon Ellis is definitely gone, it sounds like. And, you know, I think he could use another year, but I think it's his choice. I think he wants to move on. And then Alabama's playing a delicate game because when you have a Jaden Bradley and you have Ryland Griffin and you've got, you know, Brandon Miller, who's a McDonald's All-American and a freak of nature, Mr. Basketball and his classification in Tennessee, these guys are, you know, wanting to come in and get major minutes. And so you're having to, you know, put the roster together a certain way. And so – to me, I think, you know, when you look at it, I think Alabama, I think Keon's gone. Obviously, as you you, you so succinctly put it, uh, Javon Quinterly has moved on, basically said goodbye yesterday. Really hate that. I mean, I thought when he injured his knee that it might change something uh, because Alabama's been in the portal looking for a point guard. But he's going to be 24 years old. Uh, and he spent five years in college, really, because when you think about the year at Villanova and then three at Alabama. so. He's, he's uh, you know, and it would be a fifth year, but he'd be 24 years old. And so I think he's ready to move on. He's going to get his degree in May from Alabama. He's done everything right. Uh, so I think he understands that he probably wasn't going to get drafted, but he wants to start his professional journey. And you can understand that. So it looks like, you know, instead of uh, taking a year five, that uh, Javon Quinterly wants to move on. And so, and then with, uh, with, with uh, you know, James Rojas, I just think it's a case of, look, the guy was one of Oates' guys. They brought him with him from Buffalo, but he's had, a, he's had three knee injuries. And I just don't, and I think, and I'm not, and, and Roe tried to be a leader. I liked Roe, but they're, they're, they're going to recruit a better player. And that's all, and I don't mean that as disrespect. I mean, I just think they're going to have a guy that would, he wouldn't have many minutes on this team coming up. So he's going to move on. He's got a child, I mean, certainly, uh, that he's raising. And so, and he's going to get his degree. So Rose going to move on. I think that the keys are going to be what's going to happen with J.D. Davidson, 
You know, what's going to happen with Shackelford? Shackelford's never going to get drafted. And I don't mean that as a sign of disrespect. I'm just never watched enough college basketball in the NBA. He doesn't fit what they want. And I just don't think he's athletic enough. Uh, I think he's the Bryce Brown of Alabama basketball. I think he needs to play four years at Alabama. It'll depend on what his father wants him to do, I guess, because he was the one kind of behind, I think, the transfer portal is situation and then potentially in testing the draft waters. I don't think Shackelford is going to get the feedback he wants. Now, J.D. is the interesting one because he his he's right there in that late first round, early second category. Now, in some ways, when Primo uh, declared last year, he was the same way. And workouts, he moved his way up, uh, and then he ended up being a lottery pick. I don't know that could happen with J.D. because of his athleticism. I think J.D. could really use another year because I think he's still learning to be a point guard. And as you know, being with the AHSAA radio network, you watched him throughout his you know uh, high school career in the state tournament. He's a guy that it, to a 2A school could get to the rim anytime he wanted. He could score anytime he wanted. He's learning to play against grown men, just like Charles Bediaco, the center for Alabama. And so I think he could benefit. I do think he improved throughout the year. The problem was, I think a lot of people had like Colin Sexton expectations for JD, and he was never that guy. He was going to be someone that had to develop as a player. And now, I do think the NBA game fits him even more the way they set it up. It's a lot of two man game, and I do think JD showed enough potential that he could in, he could entice an NBA team to give him a promise. And if he does, then JD will probably stay in the draft. And I think that's why Alabama's in the transfer portal. We'll see, but I I, I just think well, Bediaco certainly needs to return. Juwan Gary certainly needs to return. The one, the, the three guys that it sticks out to me the most are, you know, Juson Holt, who I don't just, he got sporadic minutes, but I just don't know if he's ever going to be able to consistently score at the SEC level well enough. He's got length. He's got some defensive ability. But, and then you look at Keon Ambrose Hilton and Alex Chiku, very, very few minutes, especially the uh, second half of the season. I think those three are the most likely transfer candidates. And then, and then you know, I think Jawan Gary, I know he was up and down in the lineup, and uh, also Darius Miles had some suspension issues. But I still think that they fit the system much better. And, I, you know, I, I don't – here's what I, I've, I've been people on. A lot of people saying – you need to clear out the whole roster. Well, you can't do that to me because, one, that's one reason why they're bringing Noah Girl back because you've got to have some guys that have experience and that can lead the young guys. I mean, these young guys are coming in very talented, Luke. You know that. Best recruiting class arguably in Alabama history on paper, but you have to have some guys to be able to show them the way. And so I still think, you know, four or five guys are, are at least going to return. And then I, I will say this, too, and I've said it on social media, and I've said it the second half of the season because I, I saw some practice early before the injury. The loss of Namari Burnett was immense because I think he could have been the best three-point shooter on the team. And I know one thing. He was the best perimeter defender, and that he would have really helped this team because I think the three guys I mentioned, Herb Jones, John Petty, and Primo last year, they covered up a lot of deficiencies on defense from – Javon Quinterly and uh, Jaden Shackelford and Burnett wouldn't have covered all of them up, but he would have been a huge piece of the puzzle. And, you know, losing him was, uh, you know, a huge blow. So he'll definitely be back. 
But, I, you know, I still think this roster's got a chance to be really good. It's just going to be interesting to see who they add in the portal because I'm, I'm not, I, you know, I'm, I'm starting to track that. But to me, that's what's going to be interesting because I think Alabama will uh, bring back four or five guys. And then, as I've told people, you know, it's a 13-man roster. I think two-thirds of the roster will be different. I, but I, I don't buy the fact that maybe only two or three guys return. I just don't think – if that happens, that's like a Tom Crean deal. And if you're, and if you're, and if you're Tom Crean, you're now an employee. You've got to – I still think Oates has the trust of the players. I still think, you know, and if you – I really was closely – I'm a big-time guy. I try to listen really closely when I'm in post-game press conferences. And even if I'm not, I go back and read the notes. And I read Charlie Potter's piece yesterday from BamaOnline.com. And from what Oates said after the, the game against Notre Dame, he totally gets it, man. He understands there's issues, but he also understands the coaching staff's at fault, too. They've got some things to fix. But I still think the culture is good with Alabama basketball. And uh, I still think the future is bright. Let me go ahead and tell everybody about Stat Hero. Look, everybody probably had Kentucky like I did, and your bracket's busted. Mine's yeah. not looking too hot, but you know, I got some cash in my Stat Hero Pick'em because that's another way to gamble on um, some of these uh, NCAA games without just uh, worrying about your bracket. Stat Hero's NCAA single game pick'ems pits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. Take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the upper hand. The simple, sleek gameplay will have you playing in minutes. This is what fan- daily fantasy is meant to be. Look, Sign up now at stathero.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on. 100% deposit match when you use that promo code locked on at stathero.com slash locked on. Again, promo code locked on. 100% match. Stathero.com slash locked on. Promo code locked on. Terms and conditions may, and I bet they will, apply. There's also Built Bar. These things are delicious. They're nutritious. They're scrumptious. I talk about them all the time. Fantastic. Covered in chocolate. You need to try out their puffs. First ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They taste fantastic. They're a true treat. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors like cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. They're all so good. Built bars are covered in 100% chocolates, all of them, including the puffs. Go to built.com, scroll down to the macros chart, and you'll be blown away with the information you get there. High protein, low cal, high fiber, low, high fiber, low carb. That's all right there for you at built.com. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15 at promo at uh, built.com. That's the promo code, LOCKED15. Gives you 15% off that order. Use promo code LOCKED15 at built.com. You will be so glad that you did. All right, um, we're going to have a super quick segment right here, so I just want you to tell me, uh, before we talk football in the last segment, anything you want to talk about uh, baseball-wise? I know, look, we're cutting this as Alabama and Florida are playing right now. Florida is probably about to complete the sweep. Um, I think at this point, uh, if you hadn't lost a lot of hope in Alabama baseball, that's kind of on you. I mean, it, every time I turn around, I'm not a baseball dude, Drew. I'm not. I, I like college more than pro. I can't stand MLB. but um, Alabama just every time I turn around, we lose a midweek game to Southern Miss. We lose a midweek game to UAB. We lose a midweek game to Jacksonville State. Whoever it is, um, I just feel like this this program's just not getting turned around. And I don't know if that's on the coach. I don't know if that's just the way things are or what. But um, maybe the SEC is just that strong, and we're not keeping up. 
Well, the SEC certainly is strong, Luke. It's like a minor league. Uh, it's the toughest league in the country. The SEC West is the toughest division in all of college baseball. It's really not even close when you think about, you know, four and five of the teams being ranked and, and a couple of those cut and, and you know, and the, th- the three that aren't are, you know, Texas A&M, who's got a new era at head coach who brought in, you know, uh, an outstanding guy at uh, – uh, t- TCU to replace, uh, you know, Coach Childress, who had done a solid job there, but wasn't getting deep enough this season play for their liking. Alabama and Auburn are kind of, you know, uh, the ones that are struggling back end. And, and you know, a couple years ago, uh, Butch Thompson, who's done a remarkable job there, got Auburn to the College World Series for the second time, or only, excuse me, the first time, I should say, uh, since 1996. And so he was able to ride Tanner Burns and those guys to the uh, to Omaha, did a great job. And a lot of those guys were recruited by Brad Bohannon, who's now the head coach at Alabama. And he's in year five, but this has been a huge rebuild. And, you know, Alabama is still struggling uh, within the SEC. There's no doubt about it. And you referenced the midweek games, uh, you know, frustrating to lose to UT Martin for the second straight year and then lost to UNA earlier this uh, year for the first time since 1985. Uh, they come in with a record of 12 and 8 and 0 and 2 in the SEC going into today. And you mentioned it. I think uh, as I was coming on with you, they were already down two to nothing in the first inning. It's just really difficult uh, to gain traction in the SEC and baseball when you fall as far behind as Alabama did when Coach Bohannon came in. And uh, it's going to be interesting. They snuck into a regional last year in year four uh, in the Russian regional and at Louisiana Tech. They won a game, but. I don't know. I mean, when, you, when you're talking about – and the team they're playing today, Florida's the number nine team in the country under Kevin O'Sullivan. They're really good. And then you're, you're going to go to Mississippi State, who to the standards is struggling right now. They're the defending national champs, but they're 11-9, and nine, and I think they're 0-2 in the SEC and they're own, right now themselves. It's just really difficult because, again, uh, the SEC is such a meat grinder – and, you know, if, I, I think they'll, they're going to continue to be, pre, you know, patient with Coach Bo. Uh, and he's a great man. Just had him on my show this past week on Talking Ball to talk a little bit of Alabama baseball. But it's really frustrating because there was, you know, there's so many great memories. I went to hundreds of baseball games when I was at Alabama in the late 90s under Jim Wells. But it's a different game now. And that's what I try to tell people. They want to know why. Well, Alabama won then. Why aren't they winning now? Well, I'll just say. The SEC wasn't as committed to baseball as they were back then, or, you know, back then as they are now, pardon me. And what I mean by that is Vandy was the worst program in the league, and it wasn't close. And now they're the best. <laughs> so under Tim Corbin, what then committing to baseball, Ole Miss was also horrific, and they've been really good for 20 years now under Mike Bianco. So, and they're number one in the country, by the way, uh, right now. So it's just the, the, everybody's built a ballpark. Everybody's committed to trying to win, and now Tennessee's figured it out with Tony Vitello. I just think it's going to be interesting to see how much time Coach Bo gets, and then if Alabama can continue to turn it around. It's just very difficult in this league uh, to do, uh, and, and 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 you know the transfer portal is fascinating too because the Alabama's gotten some pieces out of there. Will they continue to be able to attract them? Uh, and then you know what. And, and then if, if you can do that, if you can get some, and then with NIL, you know, I know the state lottery is a big, you know, topic because other schools take advantage of that and Alabama doesn't have one, but new Mississippi schools. And so they, you know, but what they do, they wave out of state tuition. I think Alabama has to 
kind of take a look at how they're doing it and are you going to com- completely commit to it? And then I will say this too, when your coaching staff is ranked, you know, in the middle to lower third in salary and budget, as far as in the SEC where you're paying people, this used to, I used to talk this all the time when out before Alabama hired Nick Saban. If you want to win at the highest level, you have to commit financially to do so. Same way in basketball, Nate Oates, is, he's already gotten two raises. They're definitely paying him very, very well. You have to pay your coaches, and you have to give them what they need to win. So it's tough. I think Alabama in some ways still in baseball has taken a knife to a gunfight. I don't think they have as much talent in their starting nine on, on you know out there on the infield and uh, on the mound. And in Coach Bo's defense, they've had injuries. They had a ton of pitching injuries last year, including Connor Perlip who Baseball America, after his brief freshman year where, you know, COVID stopped everything, had him projected as the number one overall pick in the draft. So when you lose somebody like that to a Tommy John, and, you know, right now they got eight or nine guys hurt, which is a third of their, you know, roster, it's just really hard for a team like Alabama. They don't have the depth of some of these other baseball programs, and so you struggle sometimes. Got to go ahead and tell everybody about betonline.net. Betonline.net is, is just its the best spot for all your sports scores, podcast news this season. You want to go check them out. It's that time of year. We're right in the middle of March Madness. You want to go check them out to bet on um, your NCAA basketball games from all the latest odds, contests, player props. Betonline.net is number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. And it's not just basketball. They've got everything you want, including live betting on other sports, as well as your favorite casino games from straight from Vegas. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline is where the game starts. Drew, for our last segment, um, we won't talk a ton about spring practice. It hasn't been a lot to, to know yet, but just tell me about uh, this potential signing class in the state of Alabama. Um, my buddies and I with the HSA Radio Network think it's the best class we've ever seen in the state of Alabama. Do you agree with us? Uh, as far as the 2023 group, absolutely. Uh, the only two groups that kind of compare to it are 1991, uh, which was Damian Jeffries and David Palmer and those guys. Uh, and then, you know, 2008, Julio Jones, Burton Scott, uh, all those guys that were, you know, the Courtney Upshaws of the world. Uh, but that was a great class. But this one is so deep. And the amazing thing, it's it's the Peter Woods, it's the Hunter Osborne, it's the James Smith. It's, there's so many big-time defensive linemen in this, in this class. Uh, you know, we both saw Kendrick Falk at the state tournament for Highland Home. I mean, can you believe? looks like uh, I mean they're but and his brothers just been I mean those Falk brothers they are feature you just look at those guys and they just look different I mean just it's amazing uh and and you know and, and I'd say Kendrick Falk right now he'd be a top 10 prospect but I'm not even sure he'd be top five to tell you how you know loaded this in-state class is and so I think you know if you look at what Nick said been trying to do at Alabama. They did not sign a lot of defensive linemen in the 2022 class. They need to load up with this group because, you know, that defensive linemen can be hard to find, but there's tons of them in Alabama right now. And certainly Auburn has had some instability 
uh, with, you know, Coach Harson, And they're trying to hit the ground running right now. And they had some of those guys on, you know, on campus like Clay Russaw. Russaw and Smith are both five-star level prospects at Carver Montgomery. And I think Alabama would be very interested in both of those young men. Certainly Georgia uh, is trying to make an impact coming off the national championship. They're recruiting Smith hard. They're also recruiting Tamarian Parker the young man from Central of Phoenix City, very hard, but so is Alabama. So it's going to be really fascinating. I mean, that is a loaded class. I mean, I think it is probably the best on paper that I've ever seen in the state of Alabama. And I think, uh, you know, it'll it'll shock me, Luke, right now. I know Alabama finished number two last year to Texas A&M, who loaded up, you know, and they played the NIL card big time. I'd be surprised right now where Alabama's coming off of a national championship game appearance and I think they've got a strong coaching staff. They retooled it a little bit, but Nick Saban always does that. But I'll be surprised if they don't end up with the top class in the country. I think they're going to control the state of Alabama uh, in state. And if you do that this year, there's so many high-quality, high-level guys. And if you and you sprinkle in what Alabama does nationally, I think it's going to be very difficult for anyone not to be, uh, you know, other than Alabama to be number one. I know they're not number one right now. But again, as you know, you follow the process very closely too. A lot of a lot of things don't play themselves out until late November, early December because of the early signing period. But I think Alabama's put themselves in a very strong position. And certainly when you look at who's visited already on the two junior days and you look uh, you know, at what could happen on A Day, it's very strong. And then I think Alabama, you, you saw Eli Holston. Uh, decommit from Texas A&M from New Orleans, the New Orleans area, Louisiana. He's a quarterback they're very interested in. I still think the top guy is Arch Manning, and I'm going to be really interested to see how Arch's recruitment plays out because I think he'll bring a lot of you know players with him, like a Richard Young, uh, the number one running back in the country that's very interested in Alabama. And the one thing that I do, I'm pretty positive about with Arch, I don't think there's going to be a 180 in this deal. I don't think he's going to end up at Ole Miss. So, to me, I think Texas and Alabama are probably the two favorites right now. I still think Georgia's in it, but Matt Luke's resignation and deciding to step away from coaching is probably going to hurt them some because he's very close to the Manning family, but he won't be there. And so, if you're the Manning family, you're you're looking out for Arch. You want him to be surrounded by talent and good coaching. And right now, uh, Sark has not established himself completely. So I still think Alabama, when you're looking at Bryce Young, could be the number one overall pick in the draft. And what they've done at the quarterback position since Tua Tungavailoa, Mac Jones, and Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is a starter in the NFL, something that I will freely admit I didn't expect. But it's a feather in the cap for Alabama because he did most of his damage in his career with the Tide, had the one year with Oklahoma. But Alabama, you know, for many, many years, as you know, uh, they had no starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Richard Todd was the last one in the 1970s. Well, now you could argue that the two best quarterback schools in the country are Alabama and Oklahoma, but now that's going to shift to me to USC because that's where Lincoln Riley is. So I think Alabama's done as good a job as any at developing the quarterback position. And if Alabama can get Arch Manning on top of that in-state, in-state hall, uh, I know we talked about maybe two years ago being Nick Saban's best class on paper. This could rival that because I think there's enough great talent for that to happen. Drew, thank you, buddy. That's a ton of information. Truly, truly appreciate your time here on this Sunday afternoon. I just called you last second, and you were uh, Johnny on the spot. We really appreciate you being on Locked on Bama. Best of luck to you and your radio show, and uh, we'll be in touch soon, buddy. 
yeah, man, hope to do it again. Always enjoy it. Thanks for the opportunity. And, uh, uh, and uh, you and Luke do a great job. You uh, are as locked on Bama as anyone. Perfect title for your podcast. And appreciate the time. All right, buddy. Roll Tide. Roll Tide.